Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about do we need more game masters? Always. Why, you might ask, are we talking about this subject? Right. So this last weekend we went to a convention here in the Bay Area. There was a comment started on Facebook about how there seemed to be a need for more RPGs and therefore more game masters, which is always a, a weird thing. You know, when you go to a con, there might be a lot of games and and you get into every game you want, or there might seem to be fewer games because you don't get into games that you want. Okay. My question is, well, it's not really a question. It's a comment. Some people were complaining that they didn't get into the game they wanted, or were they complaining that there just weren't enough games in general? Well, the, they were looking at the statistics. Okay, so in the game convention we just went to, they use a shuffler to determine who gets into a game. So everybody submits what game they want to go into. Not only what game, it's a it's a little form you fill out. It's right. Oh, well, it's online. Okay, it's what game you want. One, two, and three, like your your first preference, second preference, third preference for each gaming session, right? Each each session, right? And they divide each, uh, like each block of time to a session, like the the Friday morning afternoon games, like the they call it the P session, and then the first session would probably be uh, Friday evening. Friday evening, be starting at four o'clock, and any game starting at four o'clock to about eight o'clock, and that would be the first session. And the first block. And then the second session would be Saturday, starting Saturday morning, 8 o'clock to about 10 o'clock, maybe 12 o'clock, and so on, right? So there's a lot of sessions. And then you sign up for the games that for 1, 2, and 3, your preference. And it goes into a shuffler, and it spits out the numbers. So for me, I've never had a problem with this because apparently one of our friends that was running a game that I got into, Jonah, he said that, well, because I only signed up for for his game and i didn't sign up for any other games it was weighted heavier because that was the i hadn't signed up for games earlier right correct that's so i got in without any problem well it's the magic of the shuffler right the whole idea is there's every every number every con member has a number and that number has a certain amount of weight and the more con games you get into the lighter you are that means the less chance of you getting into a game when you sign up for one, is less. And if you haven't got into a game by Sunday, then you're heavy than other. It would numbers. be higher. You would have a higher weight on your right, number. which would make you more likely to get into. This your is game. all computer programming, which doesn't, yes. which doesn't mean anything to any of you right. as we're talking about it. Exactly. And not all con games are like this. A lot of con games are, what is it? The first come, first serve. They open up the registration, wham, a whole bunch of people, usually online now, a lot of people rush in, try to get into games that they want, and they fill up, 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 and then, or they charge you per game, so you buy a ticket, and once you buy a ticket, of course, and get into a game, it's yours. Anyone in California who hasn't been to conventions outside of California is going, they charge you to get into a game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, and then we, uh, because... Role-playing games specifically are in private rooms. That's just a thing out here, I hear. Uh, it is limited by how many role-playing games they can have, though. In this case, they say they could have added four or six more rooms, private rooms. Therefore, 
over the length of the con, they could have ran depending four or on, six more rooms worth of games. Right, which I don't know how many games that is. It's probably twenty games. Uh, because you, you talk about the length of game and how never many trust Saul's math. Well, it's it's pretty accurate. Never trust Saul's math. At the very least, you can run two games a day in a room. So four rooms, that's at least 16 more games. Probably more. I think what happens is is that the con, and this con specifically, has to determine how many people are going to come to the con, how many people want to play role-playing games. And uh, on top of that is how many people can they get to run role-playing games. I think the the biggest question it has to do with the amount of people they can get to run role playing games. That's true. I mean, because you're limited to however many submissions you get. Right. When people try to get into the game and don't get into the game they want, they complain about it. They complain about it, and and and, and they in, complain about it to to random people. Well, <laughs> on Facebook. I mean, at the convention. I heard people complaining because they didn't get into the game they wanted, but they did get into other games. So if there's a game you want, I would suggest that you just register for that one or or whatever. Yeah. But I, what if you don't get into it? Then my friend Steve, who yeah. just randomly went online as soon as the as soon as we told him that it was open, not even as not a, even. Well, he went online at the like two or three weeks before, and he got into three different games on three different days. Right. And he loved every one of them. Every one of them was the best game he's ever played in. Yeah. Is it that they don't have enough gym? They did have like a large number of cancellations. I think they had 13 games canceled or 13. Yeah. 13 games. canceled. One of which was yours because of unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go to my brother's services. So Saturday and that was when my game was supposed to start or happen. So I didn't go. No, they were very understanding. Understanding would be a better word. And they said, yeah, we totally understand. But, uh, you know, unforeseen circumstances. And that's always going to happen. There's going to be cancellation. People are going to get sick. People, things are going to happen. And people are not going to be able to make it to the game that they're scheduled to run. So what happened was is that after after, and even probably during the, the game convention, uh, somebody posted, it seemed that there, there wasn't enough games, RPGs specifically, at the convention. And so the, those Facebook groups started, and through all these comments, I was starting to think, well, what could a con do, or what can people do to get more people to be GMs? I think the question that you really came up with was, are there enough GMs? And how can you get, not necessarily just as a convention, but wherever you are as a as a game store or just as anybody putting anything on where you want to have a bunch of GMs, how can you recruit them or make sure you have enough GMs to run the games that you want? The number of games you want, right? Right. How can you increase the number of RPGs that you're... So it's event- not just at a convention. It's any anywhere, right? Yes, anywhere. Which, to start with, most groups have this issue that they play together, friends, right? There's usually one person who is the GM. And if he decides he doesn't want to run the game, they're like, oh, what are we going to do? Right. So either one of them decides to run a game or they don't play. Right. That does happen. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that happens less and less because I think more people in groups are more willing to take up the, the GM duties. Uh, I don't think there's too many people in a group that will, let's say their GM 
just says, you know what, I, I whatever. They can't do it anymore. And well, it does. The, the GM once the GM says they want to do it, it might disband the group. The group might not continue because nobody else is willing to. Now, if it's a temporary thing, somebody might say, "Oh, I'll GM a different session or a different game." What can you do to entice people to GM? People at the con were saying that had attended, they were asking questions: How can we make it so people will run games? Most of these people asking these questions were GMs, right? Yeah, most of them were GMs that ran games at cons all the time. For example, one of them was saying that the people who run games are older and, for lack of a better term, they're dying out. Or they're getting older to the point where they can't run three games a weekend. Which is amazing to me. Some, some people do. And Saul has run two games before, one in the... It's been a long time, but he has done it. You're right. I did run a kids game, and then I ran a like a a regular a regular game, and I did the kids game because my son was a kid, and he would go into the kids room and teen room and run and play games there. So I felt obligated. Well, I should run games for kids and teenagers because they give you that service at the con. So I felt. Kind of an obligation to... Since also. your son and his friends were in that Yes, room. and they, they would usually play my game anyway. But I got other kids to play. We talked about that quite a bit about in other, in other episodes about me running kids' games at cons and what that entailed. You know, that was why I ran games, because I felt obligated to. And I also feel obligated to because I enjoy going to cons. And as a member of a person that goes to cons, I like, well, if I'm going to partake in playing role-playing games, I should run a role-playing game because, one, I like playing games and I like a diverse set of games and and I don't mind role-playing. I mean, I don't mind being a GM for a role-playing game. Though it is kind of difficult for me to do it because I do get nervous. I do get stage fright or whatever you want to call it and performance anxiety. I don't know what it's called. But I do have a tough time right before the con. I mean, right before the game. And I've talked about that before. And I think that might be another reason why people don't want to ro- run games at a con due to their shyness or lack of doing it for strangers. Well, and then there are people like our friend who we broke when we made him run a role-playing game at a convention. Yeah, that was... that was. He said it was just too much for him. Too much and, stress. And it was. It was a lot of stress for him because he was running... It was a big game, so he was running three tables of different people or three tables of people different people as it as the game was going on and and he says he won't ever run a game at a convention again and we felt really bad about that well the problem was i think was that we were enlisted his help because we needed a third gm yes to run a third table and it was fifth edition D, and he just wasn't very well versed in the rules i think that was his problem and he wasn't very confident in the rules knowledge and so instead of doing what Saul does and say, well, this is the rule set, but we're just going to do it this way. Right. That was fifth edition. Hadn't really been out that long. We had just started playing it. I thought it would be a good, a good rule set to run the game in. And I, th- I think it was pretty good. But the problem he, problem he had is that he had two players who were very adamant about the rules and would question his uh decisions and rulings and 
I didn't have that problem, right? Because when that when those people, if I don't know if I I got one of them, and he was kind of bickering about the rules. I said, you know what? I doesn't matter what the rules. We're playing the game to have fun. Set aside this idea that we're gonna play strictly by the rules. And they were already upset because they were we split the party on on them by taking the player out and moving players around from different player from different table to different table. Uh, my friend who ran the game. Well, who helped us uh, had a really difficult time GMing, and he hasn't GMed again at the at the convention. I don't think he would ever try it again. He might now, but I don't know. It's just, just not. He's just not into GMing. I don't think it was a lot harder than he thought it would be. Which is one of the reasons that some people don't run games at conventions or like other places. Right. Well, yeah. Usually, like I said, I run one game, but there's a lot of GMs that run multiple games a, a weekend. And I, I was just thinking in my head, I know at least four or five GMs that I know who run three games every weekend. And it's like, I, could, I couldn't do that because I just don't have that much energy to spend on running the game. I put a lot of energy into running my game, so I am like exhausted afterwards. So I don't know why that is. It does happen. So, so, so what are some of the solutions to this to actually recruit GMs? Well, I think most cons do stuff that would help recruit GMs, right? Like a lot of times they comp the the price of admission to the to the convention. They give you a badge, they say, for the weekend. And nowadays that money could be from now it's like $60, $70 to like $80, $90, depending on what convention you go to. So that is an incentive, obviously. To That's always been an incentive for you because it meant that you didn't have to pay that money to go to the convention. Right. And when I was younger and didn't have a lot of money, that was a huge incentive, right? right. That was a big deal. Uh, as, the, as I got older and made a little bit more money, and it wasn't such a big deal. But I still GM because of my idea that to give back to the convention community, to give back to the rpg community be able to have a convention so i run games because i want to i want the convention to be successful and i want it to continue and if like they don't have enough rpgs gms they may not they may decide to not have a convention so i like conventions i do enjoy going to them they are a big part of our of our vacation i you know our idea of a vacation weekend so i do like going to them and i think we are my my family likes going to them so i want to be able to help make sure that they still keep going so that's my idea why i go or why i run games Uh, what are some of the other things that you came up with well, the idea that, okay, so they get a, a con badge. That's pretty cool. Some other cons, they give you, like, a little bit of a swag, a GM swag, gifts or something. Like, uh, Kublacon, they give you a pin, right, uh, a GM's pin. Now, G, they, they have these pins at this convention, and they have different colors, and the green ones are the ones run by, they give to the GMs. So they're, like, kind of like collector's items. Some people like collecting them. And, and that's just another little bit of, Something that makes you stand out if they see you have a green pin. That means you're a GM. And I think it's just the little things like that that make you feel appreciative of what you're doing. Appreciated for doing it. Right. 
game priority, depending on how the game of uh, the convention handles how you get into games, whether it's first come first serve, you could get a GM priority slip or uh, a voucher saying that because you ran a game, you get to jump ahead of the line a little bit, or depending, like I said, depending on how it's handled, uh, you can get into a game that you really want to get into, and that's like a GM priority that you because you ran a game or are a GM, you get not first dibs, but you are able to front of the line and being able to get into a game. Now, for a lot of GMs who play games at, on the weekends, over the convention weekend, that is a huge deal because that kind of cement, oh, I really want to get into this person's game or I really want to play that specific game because it's brand new. That's a huge incentive for them to, to run games at a con. It's not only cons that give incentives because I remember when you ran the game at a gaming store that they gave you... Everybody that came paid like five dollars, right, to play in the game. Right. And but they they didn't keep that money, or they gave. Did, how did it work? So they gave me store credit, store that, credit for that, that money, right? In which I would spend at the store and buy books and continue running games. Yeah, so that was quite interesting. I really liked that. I thought it was. I thought that was an excellent idea. The people that came to play the games, it's not a big amount that they paid five dollars, right? Right. Right. But they also knew at the time because you told them that whatever money they were paying came came back as as store credit to you, so that you could buy more books for us. So, so that made it like, even cooler for them. They didn't worry about it. wasn't like oh, I have to pay five dollars or something like that, right? Right. And it wasn't going. It was going to the to the place, but they are offering their place for a place to play. Right. And two, it only makes it better because. I'm spending stuff that they, the players, they themselves would either I'd buy a campaign book or, or a monster mo- book or whatever it was. Also, you bought figures. Like figures, anything, anything that you, at a game store. There's a lot of stuff at a game store. So it was very useful to have that kind of money and use that money to fund. The game you were running. Right, right, right. And I don't know. I assume he did that. I assume that the owner did that for all of the I all think, of the um, GMs that I think games. he did. I, so that that is another incentive outside of a convention, right? Right. And then at, and in conventions that they've talked about GM training or for new GMs because I I know like a lot of people who are new to to role playing games they want to GM but they don't know how to GM. Right. That's a big question. What can people do to help them? Get, feel comfortable. Feel to, more comfortable yeah. running the game. So th- there were some ideas thrown around on that Facebook group. And like one of them was start a mentoring program. Now, th- this could either be, there's all kinds of things you could do. You could actually have like a like a meeting either sometime during the year or it could be a Zoom meeting or it could be just a Facebook group where people go and ask questions, Right. People do that already on Reddit. Like a lot of GMs or newer GMs, I always see questions for when I'm looking for topics for this podcast. I always see questions from, I'm a new GM and I have this specific question about this rule. Or I I just, I want to run this game, but I need some ideas on on how it works because I don't understand this the rule system. Right. That's pretty cool. But I think uh, a little bit more organized, at least here, for like the Bay Area, people who live in the Bay Area 
or surrounding areas can talk to each other a little bit more, uh, what is it, one-on-one or, or, or have better communication than on Reddit, which seems kind of like you're throwing your question out to the world and maybe somebody will answer us. A whole bunch of people will answer. This is more like you can ask a question and have more of a back-and-forth communication. Well, you said a Facebook group, and I was just telling you that there were other yeah, because yeah. a lot of people yeah. don't use Facebook. Well, yeah, that's true. A lot of people don't use Facebook. A bunch of old people. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's an interesting idea. I think that's a good idea. And from there, I think you can have plenty of questions answered. Also tips, give people tips on how to, what they do, what, uh, you know, experienced GMs do to run their games. And there's a lot of questions about, on Reddit about that. I think that um, for that particular mentoring thing, I think that's kind of I'm going to use the word organic and the fact that usually when a GM runs games, the people that play with him, especially if they're like, so I started running games for the kids when they were young. And as they got older, they've all run games for their friends. And some of them like Alan, he run, he was running like a game all the time for his friends. So that's, he learned how to do, how to be a GM from, playing in games and watching the GM and then he went off and did it himself. Right. And I think that a lot of people, that's what they do. I think that's what happens organically. That's how new GMs come about. I'm just saying there's not usually new GMs don't usually have a program they go in to become a new GM. Right. Right. It's just experience. And then somebody did comment, well, that's all the experience we had. We just opened a box and started playing. But I think there's less people doing that. Like there might, there might be. There I think. Might. I think with the with the the new D and D. Well, fifth once fifth edition came out and actual plays started being on YouTube. I think there are a lot of people who watched those, got the box. Well, maybe the starter box or the book, and said, "Okay, we can do this. Let's do it." Or they want to do it. I think that does that has happened. I think it, it seems like it happens less and less, but you're right. I think, well, maybe more now. I think it's more because now. Because more people are coming to the hobby yeah. and not have any role-playing background. Right. They just see it like on an actual plan. They, they see it on an actual plan. They go, that's the way you do it. Or, Which or, may or may not be true, but that's how they start. Or that's what they want to do. Right. Right. I mean, that does happen where people uh, just start playing out of the box. I was thinking that it didn't happen as often as like when D&D first started. But I think I am probably, you're right, you remind me that there's a lot of new people coming to the hobby with absolutely no experience role-playing games at all. So you're right. I think uh, the starter boxes have gotten better at explaining the rules of they the rules have of like, role-playing games. What do they call them? They, they don't call them fast start rules, they, or they call them... They do got quick start rules. Quick start rules, right. yeah. But also the, the starter boxes themselves are better at explaining the rules. Well... Some of them are better at explaining the rules instead of like giving just the rules, and you figure it out. Like it's like there's the days of the, of the little three little white boxes are kind of gone where there's no like instruction. That's, that's because for the last fifty-ish years, people have been they already figured out all of these things, so they're gonna tell people when they give them the starter stuff, right? Well, not only that, but the starter sets themselves are very, very well written, like. They have this usually, and I have a, bought a few starter sets to say, read this first. Right. right. 
Like this is what role playing is about. This is how you go about doing it. And then not only that, but like they'll literally like uh, the Star Wars. Give you examples. The Star Wars box set, a beginner box. It the first adventure is basically okay. Th- this is what ha- this is what's going on, right? And you have the, and they have pre made gener- pre generated characters and all that and ready to play. And they tell you, okay, the first scene, and then and then the first scene is about making checks like skill checks and like there's a skill check that every person has to make and so you learn literally what things how things operate in the game and they're very clear like okay everybody in this room has to make a skill check of search or spot or whatever it was and in the first adventure is very basically well we're going to handle skills here we're going to handle how to do ability checks okay well this is going to be the first combat the combat was very simple. You, it was, it wasn't like too convoluted. So that's that's what I mean by that. They're very good at teaching you the rules to somebody who may have never even played a role play game. So both the the GM and the players are learning the rules at the same right, time. Right, right. So like years ago, that never happened. There was just a box, rule books, read it, learn it, and just hopefully you can get it and play it. Another thing that people can do about making it easier for people to role, run role-playing games is for beginning GMs. At a con, they could make sure that the tables are smaller in size, limit the number of players, like maybe four players to a table, not have eight-player tables. Because the more players you have, the more difficult it is for you to GM. Um, a lot of GMs nowadays, they don't like running role-playing games for more than four or five players. And I can understand that. I mean, I, I come up, I come from a time where we had eight players and we run and we, we run the game and people shout out what they wanted to do and stuff. But nowadays, because we want to spotlight each player, we want to make sure everybody has their time in the, in, in the sun kind of thing. And we want to make sure every player gets some sort of engagement out of the game and therefore fun, have fun at the table. People limit the number of players they run for and i think four or five has been like the, the more sweet spot i run for six and i don't usually think that's a big problem and some people absolutely absolutely refuse to run a game higher than four but at a con because the more people you can put in this game the better but they also want to be able to fill the the, the room with as many players because they, they have their time slots right and if you have really small tables, it requires you to have a whole lot more games. So I think the average number of, of players in a game at conventions is around six players. Though you have per- persons like Doc who runs Tune, and he has 10 or 12 players. So that, that does happen. Another uh, tip for a new GM is to have a player who's knowledgeable of the game to be in the game. So if there's ever a rule question... I've never found that to be a problem at a at a at a gaming table at a convention or any gaming table because somebody has read all the rules or or help the fellow player next to you right yeah like somebody might go what do I run and instead of asking the GM and taking the GM's time the person goes oh you just roll this this die this die and you need this number of lords right. see right here on your sheet it tells you oh okay so that that does help quite a bit it takes a lot of of uh, questions away from the GM that are easily solved by somebody pointing something out. At first, I thought it was a crazy idea. I uh, did that with when I ran a, in a kid's room. I had the boys help me. And, right, exactly. And they sat interspersed throughout the, the table because there were a bunch of kids. And 
so the boys not only got to, they were like helping each, because they were young, right? They were helping each of the kids to know what to roll and say, what do you want to do? This is what you could do, right? I did. Right. And you, you, did it all, you did it just organically, as you say. And I had never thought about that, but you kind of planted those kids. You know, I did. Put them, not, you didn't let, let them sit together. You put them apart so they could help the kids next to them. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea. And, and in fact, you just did that on your own. New GMs may not know that kind of tip or that idea. So, And by the way, that was a great experience for the boys because each of them had questions asked to them that they had never thought about. And they had to figure out how to tell a six-year-old what to do, right? How to do it in a nice way. <laughs> right. You roll this dice and then, okay, what was it you wanted to do? That kind of thing. Right? Yes, yes. And that's, that, and that's why, like, having an experienced player... Or even a GM, they can help the people next to them quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. There might be a chance that players playing your game are brand new players, right? Yeah. Instead of answering all these questions about, oh, what do I roll? How do I roll? What number do I need to roll? That can need to be solved by somebody sitting next to them who knows the rules. Yeah. I think th- this last convention, people, you know, you know, people complain about odd things, right? The people like to complain. But at least a lot of members, there's a couple of member committees members said you know, who are part of the concept so they're going to have these, these zoom conferences where people can go there or attend the, the conference and as new gms or as experienced gms and help each other out filling out uh answering questions giving hints and stuff and i think that's a pretty cool idea that way people who are uh, want to gm but may not have the confidence or may think oh i don't know how to do it or may not think that they're good enough they can go to this zoom meeting and answer have their their questions answered to answer those those questions that they, they feel might be stopping them from running the game at a con i know that several of the the gaming stores in this area have because i've seen it advertised they have where you can go and learn how to be a gm from a g from a gm really yeah i don't know i, I think it was isle of gamers that i saw it advertised oh. at well, there you go. So obviously, the people have uh, have realized that there's this this number of people who have never played games or want to run a game and just don't have the experience. Or like, it is kind of a weird thing, right? If you've never played a role playing game and you come to, or if you have played role playing games but you're just not sure how to do the right, be the be in charge, right? How do the running of the game? That seems like a like this uh, magical thing behind the screen, if you, anybody uses the screen anymore. But but it does seem kind of like, uh, what is it? Uh, intimidating? It does seem intimidating, right? And it kind of like, what is it? Kind of like magical, right? Because the person behind the, the, the GM is seems to be knowing exactly what is going on. They seem omniscient as far as the knowledge of the rules. When sometimes we're just like making things up. And that's all we do, right? <laughs> I mean, as a GM and as a role player, that's all we're doing. We're playing make-believe. We're playing, you know, there's some rules to it, but we're playing make-believe and we're making things up. And though we may seem behind the, the GM screen like we got it all together, we are sometimes in panic mode because you just totally changed the way the scenario is going. But, you know, like like some old commercials used to say, never let them see you sweat. I think that's the best way to do it is just to, to run games and, and be, and I think that's all you need is a little bit more confidence to get over this hurdle of be, from be, being a player to becoming a GM. 
I think what I found is is if you want to run a game anywhere, if there's someone at the table that is knows the rules better than you, ask them. I mean, as oh, yeah. the GM, you just say, okay. If someone asks a question and you go, well, we could look up the rule, and someone goes, oh, I know that rule, and they he, they get the book out and they go, this is what it is, or or this is how it goes. And then you make a decision, okay, well, we can go with that way or we can just do it this way, right? But at least there's people that at most likely at your table that do know that rule. Right, right, exactly. And that's happened to me a few times. Not usually because I tend to run your games lately and people have no idea what the rules are, which is great because they don't know that I'm making a mistake. But in other games where the game's been around a while and... There's some people who play the game more than me, I and they say, "Well, is this, the rule says this," and and usually, like you said, you make that decision. You say, "Well, I understand that this is what the rule says, but I think for the game and playability and whatever, we're going to go with this way." Or, or yes, you know what? You're right. Let's let's play by that rule from now on, and just keep going. Right. So I think just getting more people to GM is just getting them over that hurdle of being a player or getting them over that hurdle of that nervousness or that being intimidated or that stage fright, right? Because once you start GMing, at least in my book, it becomes easier right after you start the game because then you realize that the GM is more or less just a player with a little bit more, more, a little bit more things on their table uh, that they have to deal with, but they are a player in the game and they are running the game setting up the stage, but for the most part, GMs are playing the game, and it's just a just a little bit more work, but I think a lot of players should and give the GM title or job a try. Okay. And that's it. I think, uh, I think anybody who wants to become a GM should use Reddit, and there's obviously some uh, game stores out there that offer hints or help GMing. Uh, also, I think that current GMs can also encourage their players who they think would be a good GM to run a game f- at for their group and then say, hey, we want to go to this convention. Do you want to run a game there because you could get in for free? Or if it's a, I don't know if, if I don't know if all conventions do that. And if you do, I'll play in your game. Even if I don't get into your game, I can sit there with you while you're doing it. Right, right. And there's, there's, there has been, there was talk about that. I wasn't sure if that would be a good idea to have somebody there. Well, if it's somebody that you know, I okay. would think that. I and see. even if it's somebody you don't know, but if you know them, you're going to be more comfortable to defer to them or ask them questions. Right. A lot of us just got thrown into it here. <laughs> Do it. That's true. And you figure it out as you go. So, I mean, it, it is a lot of work, but I think most people that play role-playing games have the ability to go from being a player to a GM. Right, right. And then if you do it once and it's too stressful, then don't do it again. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, like uh, I, I, I should mention that GMs can recruit other people to GM. Like, you know, if you have friends that are players to say, hey, give GM a chance and do it in your group and say, hey, that was a really good game. You should run a game at a con. Uh, I was just, just, just because of this uh, question that came on Facebook about the last convention, I go, I asked my son, who is now 20, I go, well, how come you don't, have you ever thought about running games at a con? And he said, no. I goes, would you be, would you ever be willing to run? He goes, yeah, I guess I could. 
And it just never occurred to me. We had that conversation, and I I told you that the boys have always gone to conventions. They've gone to conventions their whole life. Right. But they've never actually had to pay to go to the convention because the parents pay for them to go, right? So there's no incentive for them to run a game to get into the convention. That particular incentive. So to to tell them that you had never actually, we had never actually had a conversation with them about, oh, you could run a game. Yes. So maybe that's what needs to happen with these older GMs that are don't want to run so many games, recruit the people that they play with that in their group to do it. Right, right. Yeah, because if you only have older people running games, I think uh, you, you're going to run into a problem when, <laughs> when they can't when they, do when it they, anymore. When they can't do it anymore or, or they're too tired or they can't go make it to the conventions anymore. So I think if you like going to conventions and you like going to game stores and having go- games run there, I think you should run games there. And the more people do it, the more games are available and the less need for the GMs out there will go away. It can only be good if people just, more people start running games. I agree. So if you haven't thought about it, maybe you should. There you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Angeline. You have a good day.